from the CSI Today News Desk at the College of Staten Island. Welcome to the CSI Today Talks Podcast with your hosts, David Pizzuto and Terry Manns. The CSI Today Talks Podcast is your connection to the College of Staten Island with the newsmakers that make it happen. From world-renowned faculty and staff, dynamic students, and community leaders, stay connected to CSI with CSI Today Talks. And now, here is your host, David Pizzuto. Welcome, everybody, to CSI Today Talks, right here on CSIToday.com and from wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I am your co-host, David Pizzuto, welcoming you into another episode here. This is Season 1, Episode 10 of our show as we bring it to you and premiere on Monday, April 11th, 2022. No matter what day of the week, no matter what time of day you are tuning in, we welcome you to the show. We are uh, so happy that you stopped by. Co-host Terry Mayers and myself bringing you uh, new episodes every week, and we're happy to do so, talking to some of the best newsmakers here on the College of Staten Island campus. And I have a good one for you today, as I will be sitting down in just a few moments with the Director of Recruitment and Admissions at the College of Staten Island, Mr. Emmanuel Esperance, will join me in just a few short moments. Before we get to Manny, though, uh, we do want to remind you to, of course, subscribe to CSI Today Talks uh, on the platform that you listen to your favorite podcast. There's also a chance to subscribe to our website at CSIToday.com. Visit us at CSIToday.com. Look on the right-hand toolbar. You'll see a subscribe button. Please subscribe to get caught up on all the news that we bring you uh, each and every week, as well as these episodes that we premiere each Monday. We're happy to do that uh, each and every week. And of course, you can catch all of our archived uh, material on our uh, channels, on our podcast channels, and on CSI Today Talks as well. Last week, co-host Terry Mayers had the Chief of Public Safety, Michael Lederhandler, join him. It was a great conversation. Uh, that was learned a lot about Mike and his team in public safety. And hopefully we could do the same this week when we sit down with Recruitment and Admissions Director Emmanuel Esperance. So uh, without further ado, let's get into today's show and let's welcome in Manny Esperance. Manny, welcome. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so uh, grateful for you to come on, especially on on short notice, but going to enjoy this one because you're someone that we've had uh, earmarked to be on our show. And, you know, I guess, you know, I want to start off, you know, Manny, by saying I was on social media uh, a couple days ago, and I think I was on LinkedIn, and I'm catching up on my newsfeed. And did I see this correctly? It said to wish you congratulations on celebrating celebrating your work anniversary at the college. And I could could have sworn it said 22 years. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, and near the end of March was 22 years at CSI. Wow. So you must have started when you were like 15. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so, so I guess let's start there. You know, you've been at the College of Staten Island for a while now, over two decades, obviously. Did you start your career at the College of Staten Island? Are you a, are you a native Staten Islander? Can you talk about, you know, how you kind of got to the, uh, to the college? So I didn't start my career at CSI. I actually started off at uh, Brooklyn College. I was an undergrad student there. And I was probably one of the few people in higher ed that during you know, um, my undergrad degree, I realized I wanted to work in higher ed. So mm-hmm. I started to kind of shape my degree that way. But uh, after graduating, I worked there um, as a part-time advisor. I was a college assistant. I, I um, there for a little while after graduation. My first 
full-time job in CUNY was actually at Brewer College as mm-hmm. an admissions and financial aid counselor. I was there for almost three years, and then I came over to CSI as the assistant director for undergraduate processing. And I often joke because when I got to the college, there was an enrollment crisis. My <laughs> director, the director who hired me, left four months after I was hired, mm-hmm. um, and he was a big reason why I came to the college. So. I told people, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do my year at CSI so that the resume doesn't look too bad. And then uh, <laughs> I'll look for my next job. And then 22 years later, here I wow. am. Wow. Wow. And, um, you know, when you were when you were growing up around academia, you know, uh, you know, going to college and, and studying, did did working at the higher ed level? Was that always a focus for you or was it kind of like, let me just see what's what's out there? Like, uh, tell me a little bit about how uh, how you matriculated into kind of this line of work. Well, you know, like I, I tell a lot of students and families about exploring majors, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people will change majors uh, a number of times. So I went to Brooklyn College with the mindset of going into pharmaceutical research. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of experience in that even before starting college. Um, I was a chemistry major, mm-hmm. um, doing pretty well until it got really theoretical. Um, then I'm like, okay, maybe research is not for me. I'll do chemistry education. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at that point, Again, chemistry was a battle after like organic chemistry, um, but I was taking a lot of math classes and I was always good at math. Um, so it was easy for me to kind of pivot and just continue taking math courses. I was already mm-hmm. taking some higher level electives just for fun. Right. Um, so I continued with that um, while I was a student. And, you know, we always preach this to students to take advantage of the life outside of the classroom. So I was very involved in student activities, student government. I was able to get jobs on campus, working in student life advisement. Um, as I approached graduation, the last job I received was in the admissions office mm. at Brooklyn. So I knew, I mean, I was battling, I was doing education just because I knew I was going to work in education. And then um, towards the end, I had to make a choice. Do I go into student teaching to, to prepare to become a math teacher? Or do I kind of spend my time um, getting work experience in admissions? And I, and I picked the work experience because I knew I, I was going to work in higher ed, not necessarily admissions, but mm-hmm. um, probably, you know, I was looking at student life as, as a possibility. Um, and then, you know, I was able to get work, you know, build my uh, resume and portfolio through admissions. Um, one of the reasons I came to CSI actually was at the time, admissions was part of student affairs. So it was an opportunity to kind of bridge the work experience I had in admissions, but with my love for student life. Mm-hmm. So I was able to take advantage of some of that when I first got to CSI. Yeah, great, great. You know, I love hearing how people get to CSI and their career trajectory and how that goes. And, you know, because especially with recruitment and admissions, it's such a it's such a niche career when you think about it, Manny, because it's not really on the tip of a lot of tongues of, of youths growing up, of, of what they want to be when they grow up. You know, you hear teacher, you know, coach, guidance counselor, salesperson. And while a, a recruitment officer is really all of those things, it's not a career that gets presented to aspiring professionals. So you're right. I mean, getting exposed and, and doing those things while you're a student are really the perfect time. When you were doing it as a student, when you were growing up around it um, uh, professionally, what did you enjoy about the process? What were some of your takeaways that made you say, hey, you know what? There is a career here for me and it's, it is something that I enjoy. What were those moments for you? Well, because I was very involved being a student employee, I mean, I was recruiting students and doing presentations. But at the same time, I was telling them about my experience. Mm. So I really enjoyed, you know, talking to um, prospective students, their parents, about my experience and what they can find at the particular college and kind of them walking them through that process and doing it for a public institution. Fortunately, it wasn't 
as much of a sales job. You know, sales is part of it, mm -hmm. but it was really about, you know, providing information, um, making sure the kids knew about the opportunities that exist for them in higher ed, whether it be at the college I was working at at the time, Brooklyn, or any school. Um, and then just being able to, to, to be a bridge and provide that information. And um, even at that time, I realized it was really the beginning of their orientation, even if they want to go to the school I'm working at it or not. Um, so I really just in that excitement of searching for college and being part of that, being able to do a presentation and, and inspire people and motivate people, um, have them follow up and, and, and really guide them through the process. And fortunately, even as a student, I was working through different stages. So I was I was working in admissions, but I also had a part time job in advisement. Mm. So at an early age, I was kind of walking kids really from the beginning to almost the end in terms of enrollment. Um, and it was just really great to be able to provide that service and see some of them even afterwards uh, doing well. Yeah. And that's almost, uh, you know, I would almost think that that's almost a prerequisite to being a, you know, a recruiter or an admissions counselor is, is being able to, you know, have a lot of irons in the fire. In other words, you know, doing a little bit of, of advisement, you know, uh, understanding what the registrar does, um, what, what guidance counselors do at the high school level and how they approach things. Would you say that that's something that, that uh, you know, admissions has to be kind of conscious of, of what all these other entities are doing so you could be a more effective, you know, recruiter and an admissions coordinator? I think so. I think, you know, to really be a good admissions officer and being in a strong admissions office, you really have to see yourself as a front end for for everything. Mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're, we're the beginning of student records, we're the beginning of advisement, we're the beginning of orientation, um, we're the front end for the academic departments in terms of being able to provide information on the degree requirements and and the process for particular majors. You know, we're not experts in all these things, but mm -hmm. we're we're front end officers in some ways for that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a piece that we do for communications and marketing, working with your area. Of course. Right. We're the, we're the beginning of that, even though our, our focus is more on the college search process, what we do has an impact on the college. So we have to make sure that we're representing your office and the college well in terms of our branding and mm -hmm. our messaging and that sort of thing. So that's one of the fun things about admissions. You you're you're you have your hand in almost everything. I mean, and you're setting up a number of different departments in the school. Yeah, yeah, great point. And, you know, you've been doing it for a long time, Manny. And although the job is the same, you know, in, in certain respects, the institution itself has gone through many transformations, you know, just from your time within it. Can you talk about the ways that the college itself has changed over the years and how that correlates to how you do your job? So I guess there's two parts to that. Uh, in terms of the field itself, I mean, I remember when I was starting in admissions, it was a big deal for us to do mail merges for for letters, mm, right? To right. to to give the appearance of personalized letters to students, hard copy letters, because we didn't have, you know, email was just coming out, and you know now we're doing mail merges for emails, and we have these CRMs, and we can really build a web page that's personalized for someone. So you know the tools of the trade have, have changed. The college itself, uh, I mean, when I when I got to CSI, we were around 10,000, so the enrollment has changed. It was still viewed as a, a community college in Staten Island. You know, there's a very specific challenge for admissions on, for a public institution on Staten Island. We're the only one. The history of CSI was something that we were always battling. Yeah. Um, we were there to, to, to serve our public, but at the same time, we wanted to be viewed as a, a strong institution and be valued for our baccalaureate programs, our research and that sort of thing. So it's been, you know, it's been interesting to see how that's changed. I think the perception of the college has changed, whereas we were viewed as a community college, I think we're viewed, you know, as a senior college now, and we can, we can afford to say that we're comprehensive in that we, we can serve many people at different levels, but we're a really strong school. So if you're doing well, you come in, 
um, with a strong academic background, we can really provide you with an opportunity and challenge you to be the best version of yourself. So I think that's been the big change in terms of seeing CSI grow from that community school to really a senior college on Staten Island. Yeah, and and that merges perfectly into my my next question because you know as the only public institution uh, on of higher learning on Staten Island, CSI has that responsibility of being the access institution for many Staten Islanders and even students in the adjacent boroughs. But more and more, I hear the terms, like you said, destination campus, Manny, first choice institution among the academic elite in our borough and out. How does your offense balance those ideals of being an open and accessible college for all while also being that first choice academic school and a destination campus for those either out of state or international? Yeah, that's evolved and that's been a challenge because there were times where we didn't speak about the two-year programs. It was all about the the senior college portion, about the baccalaureate programs. But I think we've arrived at a place where, you know, at right now our tagline has been opportunity and challenge. And I think because of the the credibility that we've built, you know, through our faculty and some of the things that we've accomplished, we can really tell the, you know, the public that listen, we're we're really in many ways a microcosm of the university. You know, there are different community colleges and senior colleges throughout the five boroughs, but we're unique in that. We're the only one in Staten Island. And we really have, we offer everything that CUNY has a whole offers, right? So the pre-college programs, the associate programs, the bachelor programs, master's doctors, and all the certificates in between. So, you know, when I speak to, to families and I talk about opportunity and challenge, we give students opportunities at different levels. Um, and then wherever they are, we're going to challenge them to, to be better. So whether it be if they're coming in for a pre-college program, associates, we're going to challenge them to really attain that goal of that four-year degree that they really were coming in for. If they're coming in as an honors level student, baccalaureate student, we're going to really provide them with some unique opportunities to really be the best version that they can be and be really um, competitive in the market once they, they graduate. So I think we're, we've come to a, a comfortable place where we've shown that we can be all those things to, different, to students at different levels. Um, I think there's more work to be done mm-hmm. in terms of the pathways that we're finding for kids within the college. But I think um, you know, we really kind of um, owned that comprehensive institution model. And I think mm-hmm. it can be one of the best ones in the region, if not um, nationally. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And especially having worked in athletics for some time, I, you know, I kind of see the mirrors and the parallels uh, of, of that same experience about, you know, having more and more, you know, high profile scholar athlete kids coming in and wanting to learn more. Do you find more and more that the interest in our in our campus is growing from those students, you know, out of state or, you know, potentially out of borough and and international? Have you found that that's in, in improving and increasing those numbers? It's definitely improving. We're seeing the interest. Um, we're seeing more applications from those groups. There's a lot more growth that can be uh, obtained, but mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're seeing a lot, we're, we're bringing in a lot more baccalaureate level students. Yeah. So that's changed. Whereas before, you know, our incoming class might have been 25% baccalaureate. Um, the last couple of years, um, it's been over 50%. Wow. Um, and that's big for us. So yeah. we're bringing students yeah. that are going directly to the majors. I think, like you said, athletics has been a big part of it. Being a residential campus, having housing has been a big part of it. International, even though there's been challenges in terms of bringing international students for things that we can't control, but when we can, um, that's growing and that's that's going to help us. Um, I think uh, when we've been able to create these schools and divisions, I think, um, you know, a school like the School of Business, the Chasnoff School of Business, has it's 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 an own learning community at the school. So mm-hmm. it's really starting to attract students who are interested in that area. So I think there's a lot more to do. 
Um, but we're, we're definitely seeing a change. This is a much different composition of incoming students um, now than it was 22 years ago. Sure, sure, definitely. Well, well said. You know, Manny, when I think about your work, I see it. I see it similar to what I'm doing in, in communications because it is about communication and, and messaging, like you said, branding uh, and how, you know, technology, you know, has has changed things. Right. It's been really, you know, incredible in, in both of our realms between social media, cell phones and texting. You know, I would imagine the very ways in which you reach students is so much different now than when you started. Can you discuss some of those changes and how you and your team try to stay in front of technology and, and pivot on how to reach students where they are? Yeah, and, and I, I, you said the key words there, being able to stay in front of it and, and, and pivoting because as I mentioned before, you know, I, I, I've seen it be, be mostly hard copy letters and having those fancy folders to being almost exclusively emails, personalized, getting a lot of information to the families, um, leveraging digital media, whether it be a website, social media, digital marketing through, uh, through mobile devices. Um, so we've had to really stay in front of all the tools that are available um, to, uh, to market the college. But you know, the last couple of years, for example, you have to kind of see, pivot and see how things are changing. Because a lot of people now, a lot of our competitors are on email and, and, and digital marketing. And then we, our messaging could get lost. So the last year or so, we've realized that we really have to be doing everything. So mm -hmm. we're sending those emails. We have to do text messaging to, to complement that or supplement that. We still have to send hard copy letters because you got to get in front of people in different ways. Um, and there's an investment you have to make there, but um, everything is valuable um, because we, it's such a diverse population that we're trying to get in front of. So, you know, whatever the means, you know, again, if it's whether it be email, digital media, hard copy letters, um, visits, whatever we have to do, we have to get in front of people as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's been kind of an adjustment that we've had to realize the last couple of years. Sure, sure. And if that's not hard enough, Manny, next you have COVID and remote learning and remote working. And, you know, we're getting back to normal in some senses now, but um, how did your team attack recruiting in, in the COVID environment? How did, how did you manage to, you know, make out during the pandemic in terms of, you know, recruitment and admissions and how you approach what it is that you do? I, that was such an interesting experience and one I will never forget. First of all, my, I have a great team um, that really care about what they do um, and they were really able to pivot, you know, you know, one week where, you know, making plans to, you know, shut down and to be remote. And we've never really been remote. Mm -hmm. The next week we have a virtual office set up. So we have people who've never been in front of a, a computer to, to advise people to uh, having to, to pivot and make that adjustment. Uh, we were planning big events on campus. You know, this was around March of 2020. Right, right. So we were going to plan our big administrative conference that had to be changed to smaller virtual events. Um, and we were able to, to, to make that change. I've been very proud of that. And now the challenge is how do we balance both, mm -hmm. the best of both worlds. Um, we, act, you know, it's, it's interesting with COVID because there was so much concern and being a public institution, we, our enrollment for fall 20 was actually pretty strong. We were able, again, to pivot and um, create a digital campaign that talked about staying close to home. Mm -hmm. You know, not, you know, the uncertainty of what's going to happen. It might be better to stay close to home. Um, so yeah, you can quickly make changes, and that and that worked. We brought in a uh, uh, a much higher, a bigger class than we thought we would for fall, and then the work was in trying to retain them, right? Because a lot of them, CSI may have not been the first choice, but we we're you know we we're able to right. get a message to them. They were they came to the college, 
And now we have to uh, see if we can convince them to stay after all of this is over. And that's where we are now. Um, but again, the team was great. We're able to pivot. And, and, and now it's just a matter of really trying to bring together the best practices, from whether it be in person and virtually. Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, what I was going to ask next was, you know, best practices. And you had mentioned before balancing now, um, you know, remote versus in person and how you were doing things during COVID and now uh, outside of it. But, you know, even working in athletics at the time, you know, we saw how COVID really changed how we do things forever, you know, from from virtual visits, uh, Zoom meetings with with parents, uh, info sessions that are now online instead of in person. Has your office experience changes that you think you will employ forever or for the long haul things like you know remote visits to schools teleconferencing things like that do you think the recruiting world is is changing forever in that way i i think so i mean some schools are doing good jobs of having some virtual options you know we, we have a lot of international we were already doing some virtual sessions for example for international students mm -hmm. but now perhaps we can do more for some of our out-of-state students who may not see campus. Um, right before COVID hit, we were able to build a virtual tour, which we definitely have to keep. We st the numbers for that skyrocketed mm. for obvious reasons. So maintaining that. I'll give you another good example. We, we, we've been trying to, to do more parent orientations. You know, they're a big part of the first year success for incoming students. So we've been trying mm -hmm. to reach them. It was always a struggle to get parents on campus. We even went to high schools sometimes to meet with the parents there of incoming students to have orientations. Mm -hmm. But knowing COVID, we were able to do virtual parent orientations and the numbers just skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of something that we definitely want to maintain because it's probably easier for the parents to, to attend an event that way. Right. Um, and we can do that virtually and get as much information as possible out to the parents and get them, you know, be, have them be involved so that we can kind of increase the chances of a first year success for the students. Um, some of the virtual events have died down a little bit. I think people are eager to be on campus. But again, there are certain populations where um, it's going to be much easier for them to, to meet with us virtually and then perhaps at, at some point come to campus. So we definitely want to try to keep some of that as part of our, our tools in terms of recruitment. Yeah, it, it certainly makes sense. I know when we when we spoke to some parents of athletes, they they noted how and, and maybe this is not the best thing for CSI, but they noted how, wow, this is great. You know, I can visit multiple campuses in a single day where, you know, for my other daughter or my other son, you know, I can only go to one a week, you know, because we can only go on the weekend. And and obviously parents still want to come and, and visit the college and, and you know, that sometimes seals the deal but have you know being able to offer multiple events on the same day your 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 production just naturally goes up so i think that that was one of the you know i never want to say that covid came with benefits but it probably did in that way and that it changes that landscape forever definitely I, I think there were things that we learned i mean not only my office i think the college has learned um you know we have to for example really look at online education you know we never really had online degree programs, but that's that's something that we go into because, you know, there might be part of the population that we serve that um, might want that. So um, there are a lot of things that we're going to have to make decisions about. And uh, COVID really showed us that we have the ability mm -hmm. to do some of these things. Right. And, you know, Manny, I know, uh, you know, it's, it's the topic of conversation, you know, not just at CSI, but, but everywhere. And that is that enrollment is dropping at a majority of campuses uh, across the nation. 
what are your personal thoughts on that? Is it is it simply you know smaller high school class sizes? Is it is it you know the 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 financial climate that we're in? Is it less transfers or or maybe more transfers and people leaving college after time? Was it COVID? What are some of your theories on why colleges are struggling now with enrollment? It's a number of factors. Part of it was projected. So as you you mentioned, part of it is that the population or pool of students coming out of the high schools, we knew was going to be lower. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going, it's, it's, it's less than expected because of COVID. Um, uh, I was hearing the other day that the uh, DOE went from having about a million students to 700,000 mm. um, compared now compared to pre-COVID for various factors, people have moved away, um, different decisions in terms of schools. Uh, there might be more students going to private schools. So, the population changing, I think, was was projected, mm-hmm. um, but the other factors with COVID were not obviously. So right. it's just that adjustment, and I mean, hopefully, once we get back to to, to normal, we can see some students start coming back. Um, you know, transfer students is a big topic of conversation. We've never been a, we've never been a big transfer school because we're comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Um, many many senior colleges create the transfer population, right? So the students might have applied applied as freshmen, did not get in. They went to a community college and then they're coming back. Mm. Whereas for us, they can, you know, if they apply, we'll, we'll be able to offer them some uh, opportunity at the college and then they transfer internally. So, um, but that's the population that people are looking at now because uh, there might have been a lot of students who started college um, who did not continue because of COVID for various reasons that we can perhaps try to get get them back. Um, recruiting adult students, I think, is going to be a big thing now also. Um, and that's where online degree programs might come into play because mm-hmm. that might be something that they're looking for. Um, so a lot of things that we're starting to put into place to kind of address the different populations. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a challenge. You know, a, lot, a lot of schools are, are facing. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm assuming, you know, again, just like you said, a lot of schools are facing and you have, you have colleagues, I'm sure who work at other schools and they're facing some of the, some of the same things. How do, how do you as a, as a group uh, develop a professionally, Manny, is there professional development in your, in your industry where you can share practices that other schools are doing and, and, you know, share campaigns, maybe, um, you know, how do you, how do you do that? How does you, how does your team stay, um, you know, stay ahead of, of, of trends and, and professionally develop? Great question, because we've always, I think we've been good because we've looked at the best practices in the field, mm-hmm. um, especially non-CUNY, because it's easy to kind of adapt some of the CUNY practices, but I think what makes us successful, and we are a different institution with the university, is really looking at best practices. So there are national and international associations that we're part of that we can, you know, that provide literature and professional development opportunities where we can kind of learn some of the uh, the best practices. But within CUNY, you know, I, I'm part of a council of our of admissions directors. In fact, I, I co-chaired it for the last couple of years. I, j- I just stepped down um, last year and we share internally best practices um, collaboration where it comes to marketing because what the university does kind of trickles down to what you do, what I do, um, so how we can leverage that, um, getting funding for certain things. So uh, whatever we can do, whether it be within the university or outside, we're always looking at best practices for all the different populations that we serve um, to, to see how we can be um, implemented here and be successful at CSI. Yeah, and you just touched on something that I wanted to uh, I wanted to explore, Manny, and that is the the, uh, the role of the of the city university. I mean, obviously, we're just one of the of the senior college campuses. 
you know, that fall under the City University of New York, are there marked strategies for recruitment and admissions that come from, from CUNY Central? Or does the College of Staten Island really stand alone in its, uh, you know, in its, in its strategy or in its uh, implementation of, of, of practices? Or, or is there a marriage between the two? There's a, there's a marriage, a little bit of an overlap. We, you know, as the university will set certain goals, right, in terms of what the plans might be the next couple of years, and that trickles down. So then our, our leadership will kind of look at that, um, and then that'll trickle down to us in terms of building, whether it be recruitment plan or, or, or strategic, to strategic enrollment plan. So that, that does factor in. But in the end, in terms of how we implement that, our strategy is really based upon our experience and our tools. Um, there might be some things that we can leverage from the university. Um, and again, so we get some direction from them, but um, a lot of it will depend upon our resources, our finances, um, and our experts in terms of being able to come up with a plan that makes sense for CSI while accomplishing some of the goals that might be set by, by the university. Great, great. When, when would you say, Manny, um, a high school student should be thinking about college? Because I've heard a lot of different theories on this. I have nieces and nephews who are, ne- who are now in college. My kids are going into uh, high school next year. And I hear a lot of different people say, you know what, don't think about college until your junior year in high school. Enjoy high school and, and explore what you want. And then there are others that are thinking, you know what, kids should be thinking about college in junior high school and they should start mapping out. What, what do you think is the right balance there, Manny? What, what would you say um, to a parent uh, as far as when they should be thinking about higher education and where they should be going? I, I think as early as possible, many of the associations that we're part of, um, I'll give you an example, the National Association of, Association of College Admissions Counselors. Mm-hmm. It's an association made up of, of folks that work in college admissions on both the college side and also the high school side. So they have a calendar, for example, showing the four years of high school and what students should be doing in terms of preparation for college. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing is, obviously, we don't put too much pressure during the freshman year or sophomore year in high school for kids to be really active in the college search, but they should have an understanding of perhaps what to expect, um, what it means in terms of getting the good grades now, um, starting to look at different careers, not that they have to come out with a particular major, but starting to look at different careers, different opportunities. This In some high schools, there's some flexibility for some electives, so seeing how that kind of might you know shape their um, decision-making, you know, starting to look at the extracurricular activities and that sort of thing. So not too much pressure, but they should be mindful of it. And as they kind of go into their junior year, now they really got kind of get involved in the search process. And I think as much as they can do in the junior year, that will make their senior year a little bit easier in terms of decision making, and especially that summer between junior and senior year. So I think it kind of increases as you go through the years. But I would encourage students to kind of look at it as early as possible. We've done programs where uh, middle, um, junior high schools, elementary schools have brought us in already just to kind of have kids thinking about what college is and that sort of thing. So, um, and you know, they, they, they connect to it already. They have siblings or cousins that have been to college and right. they've gone to campuses and stuff. So again, it just kind of progresses as they go on. But yeah, I think a freshman in high school should be thinking about it, but just a little bit, no pressure. Sure. Sure. And I know, um, you know, if, if I were a high school freshman, let's say Manny, what are, what are some of the things that, you know, some of the, some of the tips that you would give me as a freshman of things to think about during high school to prepare for college? You know, um, I could think of like uh, the SAT, for example, and I know that 
that wasn't um, a consideration during during COVID because of the testing. But, um, you know, is that something that's required in order to uh, to attend the College of Staten Island? Are there high school uh, classes that I could take that might count towards some college, um, you know, uh, crediting? Um, sh- should I, you know, what what are some things that I might be wanting to think about while I'm in high school to prepare me to get into the College of Staten Island and to and to prosper there, really? Well, a couple of things, because like you mentioned, SATSDC, and that's that's something within the field that's changing a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of schools have, you know, we went test blind, CUNY went test blind during COVID. So the class that came in for fall 21 and the class that's coming in for fall 22, we didn't look at SAT or ACT. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the next couple of years, we're going to be test optional. So that's not going to okay. be in a big area of focus. And that seems to be a trend in higher ed. Um, so the academic record, the transcript is really the, the key thing that we're looking at. So I would tell a freshman, really the focus is on getting good grades. Um, a lot of students might, you know, there's an adjustment period um, in the first year of high school. So we get that and the grades there might be a little bit weaker than let's say their sophomore, junior year, which is more critical. Mm-hmm. But if they, you know, where possible, take advantage of that first year. Um, you know, the grades do matter, really focus in on the English and mathematics, which a lot of schools are looking at um, and just do well in those classes, you know, mm-hmm. try to help, you know, try to get the resources that they need as best as possible to transition as quickly as possible to get good grades the first year, because that will ease some of the pressure that they have uh, later on. Um, and start where, where as early as possible, just taking advantage of any type of extracurricular activities that they can. Um, all those things will help shape their decision-making later on um, and, and give them some other options. Um, so that would, you know, I would tell a freshman, really try, try to um, strengthen their grades as, as best as possible, because the academic record is going to be the big thing. Excellent. Excellent. And I know, you know, I know websites are, are, are the major way to, to stay connected, but uh, if I'm a student out there, Manny, and I'm listening to this podcast and maybe I've, you know, I'm, you know, maybe I've heard the college of Staten Island, maybe I haven't, you know, um, how does a prospective student athlete get recruited, uh, you know, to come to the college of Staten Island? How do they find out more information? When's the proper time to apply for the college? Uh, Can you give us some, some, some details on how, uh, a prospective student becomes a matriculated student at CSI? Well, in terms of being recruited to college, I mean, we have students as early as their freshman, sophomore year of high school who might be attending events at CSI or we might meet at a college fair or do a visit to the school. So once we get their information, that's really the beginning of the recruitment process because mm-hmm. they're going to be on our mailing list. We're going to send them information on different opportunities. Um, in terms of the, the timeline for application, most of the students that we bring in will apply by so let's say for this fall semester, our application deadline was February 1st, but most of the kids, you know, will apply during the first half of their senior year. So you know, we get most of our applications by October, November, the year prior. And some of our honors programs, for example, Macaulay has an early deadline in mid-November mm-hmm. um, the year prior. So they have to be mindful of different deadlines for the regular college applications for the honors programs. Sometimes scholarship applications might have different deadlines. But it's all going to be within their senior year of high school. Um, I mentioned before, just, you know, as they, when they start the exploration process, you know, that, that it really, for us, we start recruiting students. Let's, so for example, for next year, fall 2023, mm-hmm. we're recruiting students now, right? We're meeting juniors at the schools. So that's really the, the beginning, you know, they, they're getting exposed to different colleges about the program. They can come to events, um, take advantage of that summer between the junior and senior year, because there's opportunities to visit schools. And we're seeing more and more of that. We host a lot of groups and families during the summer who are starting that process early. 
Um, and obviously, you know, as you know, senior year is going to be pretty busy in terms of, yeah. again, continuing that expiration and then making sure that they're putting in the, uh, the, the applications. And, you know, a lot of mistakes that students make is they don't give, for example, recommenders enough time, you know. Um, so if they, right. you know, they have to have a plan in terms of where they're applying, um, make sure they have their recommenders in place. And the more time they give those folks, the better the recommendation will be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when all things are the same in terms of academic record, that's what makes a difference. The recommendation or the essay that's required for some students, the activities, not necessarily quality, not quantity, but quality. Mm-hmm. Can they speak about that experience? So it can be one major experience in high school, but if they've learned something from it, good or bad, mm-hmm. and they can express that in their essay, that's something that might make a difference um, in terms of getting into perhaps a selective program, that sort of thing. Awesome. Awesome. Just a tremendous amount of, of information, Manny. Thank you for, for really shedding light on what your office is, is doing and, and information that you know parents and students can take with them um, to learn a little bit more about the process and, and some of the strategies that are involved in what you do. Uh, we are running uh, out of time here, Manny, but I did want to save uh, a question because I know you're a big sports guy, and obviously I'm a big sports guy too, and I know you're a huge Mets fan, and probably the That's biggest right. one – Probably the biggest one that I know, uh, genuinely. Uh, I know it's been a tough few years, but dare I say, this could be their year. This could be the year. I mean, it's the best time of year, right? Um, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Especially as a Mets fan. But yeah. not, it's it's a really good team. Very strong. I was, I'm very happy that they picked Buck Showalter. We needed that mm-hmm. veteran um, leadership uh, manager. So I, I really like the team. Um, I like how they play even the first two games. So, yeah, I'm a big Mets fan. I'm pretty excited about this year, even with the ground going down. Um, and, like, yeah. part of us, had, you know, some of us may, had the feeling that might might happen, mm-hmm. uh, and they were able to kind of strengthen that rotation. So, and, you know, we have Uncle um, Steve, so right. we need some of players. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the purse strings are open. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Now, if only we could be this excited about our New York Giants, then then we'd be in business. <laughs> but you know what? I'll live vicariously through you and the Mets. I'm, I'm, my, my family is, is a Yankees family, but I'll be honest with you. I, I, I love cheering for the Mets as well. I'm a I'm in, I'm New York all the way. Less interested in the baseball uh, sport, but but definitely uh, we'll live live through the Mets through your eyes because I know that we're on we're on the social medias together, and I and I always know how the Mets are doing based on on your reactions to things. So, <laughs> so I appreciate that in that respect too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> of course. All right. So that's Manny Esperance, uh, uh, Director of Recruitment and Admissions at the College of Staten Island. So lucky to have him on the show. Manny, thanks again for everything and, and good luck the rest of the way. Great. Thanks for having me. Take care. Of course. That was Manny Esperance once again right here on CSI Today Talk. So thankful uh, to Manny for, for, for joining us. And uh, we hope to have him back at, uh, at some point, um, you know, probably next year to talk about how enrollment is doing and, and, and all that great stuff. But we do uh, thank Manny once again for joining us. And we remind you that we will be back next week with another episode of CSI Today Talks. Our co-host Terry Mayers will rejoin the show. And I'll be back two weeks from now with another uh, exciting guest as well, talking all about the College of Staten Island and the newspaper makers that make it happen. Uh, We thank you for tuning in. I'm David Pizzuto. Thank you for listening to Season 1, Episode 10 of CSI Today Talks. Thank you for listening to this edition of the CSI Today Talks podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to get alerted for brand new episodes and to listen on demand to your favorites. 
be sure to check us out at www.csitoday.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.